Here we go again, another week, another podcast. And today we've got a story of Casino of Luxembourg. A group of folks once walked into a bar and said, you know what this place needs? A casino. But hold your horses, this wasn't your run-of-the-mill gambling joint. No, mm-mm. That was the birth of the Casino de Luxembourg in 1880. And their grand vision was to create a haven of relaxation and promote good old sociability among their members. No mention of poker faces and slot machines here, folks. But wait, rewind a bit. There was actually a casino society way back in 1818. Supported by the Hoibro Literary Circle, they were probably sipping tea and discussing Jane Austen rather than rolling dice. Fast forward to the Treaty of London, 1839, Freedom for all! Well, specifically speaking, for Belgium and German-speaking part of Luxembourg, and Luxembourg was becoming a hotspot for business and decision-making. Urbanization maestro Edouard André, who we talked about already, made Boulevard du Viaduc, which is now Roosevelt, the star of the show, with just and back bastions turning into swanky panoramic terraces that we've got now. The casino's entrance faced the city because, well, why not have a boulevard bridge as your red carpet, right? Now, here's where it gets interesting. The casino company was all about buying and selling wine, spirits and munches to the members and outsiders. Picture this. Traders, entrepreneurs, industrialists and a bunch of top-notch civil servants, basically the Avengers of Luxembourg's business scene. They even had architects and engineers in the mix. Even the mayor and the Belgian consul joined the party, because who wouldn't wanna? Piece of that action. The company bought some land in 1880 and decided to put up a building that would be the belle of the urban landscape. Architects duked it out and Pierre Kemp and Pierre Funks designed one. They took inspiration from lavish hotels. You know, the kind where the bellhops wear top hats. In 1890, they sold some land and then, whoops, new buildings sprang up, blocking the view from Avenue Marie-Thérèse. That's the one going to Belair now. So much for that panoramic view, eh? But fear not, because in 1904, architect Antoine Ludja filled the gap on Rue de Notre-Dame, leaving just a smidge of land for some boulevard breeze. And the expansion didn't stop there. In 1910, architect Joseph Nouveau took the will. He was an intern for Victor Lalux, the guy who designed the Orsay station in Paris. Uh, Musée d'Orsay now, okay? They said, let's go higher, and added an attic floor. They also played a little window shuffling game. Then in 1929, Joseph Nouveau and Leon Muller elevated the left side of the casino and gave it an attic floor, transforming the place into an art deco wonderland. I wonder though, why not modernism, or at least art nouveau? which was, fair enough, already wrapping up in Spain at that stage, but imagine how fun of a building that would have turned out under Gaudí's inspiration. And things got fancy in the culinary department too. The casino restaurant chef snagged the prize of excellence at the International Gastronomy Exhibition and a Michelin star from 1934 to 1937. They even catered for royalty. The cafe, brewery and restaurant boasted a beautiful terrace with magnificent views. Cue the billiards, bowling, table tennis and a reading room, they had it all. Fast forward to 1958 and the casino company decided to call it quits, selling the property to the state. 
the cultural circle of the European Coal and Steel Community, ECSC, beginning of the European Union, moved in and hired architects René Moyet and Jean Prouvé to work their magic. They even threw in swanky covered terrace to celebrate the steel industry and some see-through windows for democratic vibes. In 1979, there was talk of tearing down the casino for a games and leisure centre, but then, thankfully, the European foyer moved in. As time went on, the Casino Luxembourg, now renamed the Foyer Européen, continued to host cultural and social events for the European communities. It was the go-to spot for European shenanigans in Luxembourg, but change was in the air. The Ministry of Public Building decided it was time for a makeover. They brought in the architectural office Bellini and Pitt to assess the building's condition and estimate the necessary renovations. However, during the preparations for Luxembourg European Culture Capital 1995, a brilliant idea emerged. Enter artist-slash-architect Urs Rausmüller, who proposed a bold plan. He was like, forget about the general renovation and instead transform the entire Casino Bourgeois into an exhibition space. Talk about thinking outside the roulette wheel. The government loved the idea and they gave Rausmüller full control over the interior furnishings. His vision was simple yet practical. He reduced the casino to its bare bones, creating open-top cubes with uniformly white walls in every room except the central entrance hall. It was like a minimalist art installation in itself. Those cubes served multiple purposes. They preserved the historical integrity of the building while providing ideal exhibition space. Plus, they shielded the precious artworks from pesky UV radiation. And the best part? They could be easily removed at the end of the cultural year. It was like a temporary art wonderland. In total, 13 rooms were transformed, offering a generous floor surface and plenty of wall space for artistic expression. And let's not forget the entrance hall, decked out with all the necessary furnishings to inform visitors and sell tickets and catalogues. Who said art couldn't be a business? Um, tax office, what? Today, it's a contemporary art heaven with all the bells and whistles, libraries, projection rooms and educational spaces. So, there you've got it. From a bustling cultural hub to an artistic playground, it's a testament to the power of reinvention. Who knows what surprises await within those white-walled cubes? It's a gamble worth taking.